What's going on, my beautiful people? Another great day here inside the Black Actors Studio. I'm your host, Danny Royce, and today we're going behind the camera. We have some very special guests today, two guests, so stay tuned. You're tuned into Black Hollywood Live, the world's first digital broadcast network devoted entirely to urban entertainment and pop culture. Tune in right now. Hey, it's Thursday. You know what that means. We are here inside the Black Actors Studio. Thanks so much for joining me, guys. This is 11 weeks. Crazy. 11 weeks gone by so quick. I have two awesome, awesome guests for uh, inside the studio today. They are producers and have a huge initiative in South Africa. Can't wait to talk about it. Dexter Davis and James Few. Their uh, credits are a lot. There's a lot of credits. There's uh, Blue, Mer- Blue, Blue Meridius, I'm sorry, starring Anthony Mackie and uh, Team Joy starring Jesse Williams. Tongue tied there. But thank you so much. Uh, Black Actors Studio is very proud to welcome both Dexter Davis and James Few. What's going on, guys? Ah, we're Thanks good. For Thanks us. for having good. us, Danny. Oh, my pleasure. My pleasure. How are we doing today? I'm good. It's Los Angeles, and it's you know the weather's great as right. usual. Yeah, as usual. Uh, so it's always great to be in town. So we're having a good time, and we uh, party a little bit too hard last night. So uh, if uh, <laughs> things drags on, that's what we can do. <laughs> no worries. Well, thank you so much for joining us. We're it's really, great. Ha- you know, um, we we typically have actors uh, on the show, um, but I like to show the audience and give them a perspective from all different areas in the film industry because sure. I think mm-hmm. it's very important. Um, so I like to start off each interview from the beginning. Where were you born, Dexter? So I was born in Greenville, Mississippi. Uh, the Delta, and um, but I was raised from age three in San Jose, California. Okay, and how about you, James? ATL, Atlanta, Georgia, hey, okay. which is maybe the um, the the black mecca, <laughs> right? <laughs> black Hollywood is what they're calling it now. Yeah. Did you uh, get excited about San Jose? Was it? I didn't. I didn't. I'm sorry. <laughs> sorry, don't have no connection to Nas. <laughs> right, right. No, San Jose is beautiful. I have been there before. Um, but this is this is our first time having two guests on in the panel to, uh, in the studio today. So I'm I'm excited. I'm going to be throwing back and forth a lot tonight. Um, so tell us a little bit about like uh, your your relationship with your parents, Dexter, mm. growing up. Well, it was good. I mean, I, I'm very fortunate that, um, you know, I had parents who loved me and mm-hmm. supported me and, um, you know, always was intent on, um, you know, advancing what it was I wanted to do in life. Um, my mom and dad divorced <clears throat> when I was uh, a young kid, uh, mm-hmm. but they maintained a uh, relationship. And so I, I, I had both uh, my mom and my father have an influence in my life, I have five other brothers, so mm. there's a, like a wow. baseball team. Uh, but you know, yeah, wrong wrong sport. That's how much I know sports. I was, see, you, I thought I got away with this. <laughs> he almost uh, let you go with it, yeah, right? Exactly, <laughs> like door, duck, dorky guy. No, um, no, but it was good. I mean, we, you know, my parents were southern people who uh, wanted a better life for their children, and. Um, you know, like a lot of African Americans uh, from the South went mm-hmm. west yeah. and hopes for you know better dreams for their for them their kids and right. for themselves. And so, yeah, I have a sort of very I would say normal upbringing, uh-huh. and but very supportive. 
very safe, you know. Um, there's no real tragic story to make it sound better. Um, <laughs> we don't need tragedy. You know what I mean? But that's good. That's good. Was, no, no, that's it that was good. it was good. That's awesome. And uh, and we were, you know, we never forgot where we came from. And you know, Mississippi and Greenville is very close to our hearts. That's where mm-hmm. my, you know, my my father went back there and. All of my relatives, for the most part, live in the South. And okay. So I consider myself a Southern guy. Okay, and both like both Southerns from has some Southern hospitality going on there. So James, like, what's the what was the? Um, do you see a difference? Obviously, but what is it to you? Mean to you the difference in Atlanta when you were coming up and now? Oh man, so Atlanta when I was coming up, uh, we have this thing now people that were like born in Atlanta grew up in Atlanta that aren't transplants we always talk about <laughs> the old Atlanta uh-huh. you know that's like a thing now what's old Atlanta and new Atlanta and I think um, you know old Atlanta before Olympics I'd like to say before 96 I mean it was basically um, Atlanta was a, a town that grew into I think a big city it was never this plan to be this big metropolis but I think you know as investment came in after the Olympics um, of course the boom years early 2000s I mean the the city just just grew up Um, I mean blew up but as far as culture and especially um, black culture we also have a thing that uh, we say Atlanta influences everything Mm. Um, you know that's from music to film um, business entrepreneurship Um, I love the city. I mean, that's where I'm from. It's, you know, we have a lot of new guests that I like to yeah. say, you know, with um, people moving in from, you know, all over the world, right. basically. Right. Um, and it's added to the flavor. But, you know, the Southern hospitality, for the most part, is still there. Um, okay. And you just have, you know, really progressive, um, especially the black entrepreneurial and the film entertainment right. community doing big things. Right. That's awesome. Uh, creating more opportunities, right? Definitely. Um, did you have any nicknames growing up? Um. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, no. since, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's not embarrassing or anything. So my middle name is Robert, okay. um, and family just called me Robbie, but only family. Robbie. Yeah, Robbie. Oh, okay. yeah. Okay. How about you? I can't say. <laughs> you can't say it. Yeah. I really can't say. No. <laughs> uh, so you had five siblings, five other siblings, and how many siblings did you have? Only child. Their only child. Wow. So how was that for you and that dynamic? And when did you feel like, really did you really get into like uh, filmography and filmmaking? So being an only child, let me give a little backstory about my mom and dad. And I think I didn't know it then, but they were the perfect parents and had the perfect lives to prepare me for being a producer. Mm. Um, and I didn't realize that until, you know, my late, late 20s when I started, you know, in the film business. But my father is an artist. So he's a right brain guy, very creative. He does sculptures. So I grew up around the arts. Um, he would do art shows around the country, the Black Arts Festivals. Uh, my mother, she always had aspirations and dreams of being an actress and going into theater. Uh, but growing up in a small town in the middle of North Carolina, you know, her yeah. her dad was like, "No, that you know, you're not going to be an actress." Right. Um, so she ended up majoring in literature. Uh, went on to teach um, and also uh, became an executive with Delta Airlines. So she also, you know, had dreams of uh, of the arts, but she was also a linear thinker and she could handle right. know, handle business. Gotcha. And so it was a perfect mix, um, like as far as the structure that, you know, producing needs. 
you know, I was growing up with my mom, mm-hmm. you know, and, and understanding that and learning and seeing how she communicated with an artist, which was my father. Right. And so uh, a lot of those skills I was just, you know, picking up right. naturally. And so now, you know, being able to um, work in the arts, work in entertainment, communicate, you know, a creative vision and understand how the numbers, um, logistics and all of that piece works. I credit that to them, and I didn't know it until I started doing it. Oh, that's crazy. You had that, that whole yeah. dynamic going on in your own house. <laughs> Just learning from it. That's awesome. And, uh, Dexter, when you were growing up, and uh, what type of shows, um, specifically people of color, um, mm-hmm. did you gravitate to or you aspire to, to, uh, to work with in film? Well, I mean, I, if you're talking about television, so it's the, the, you know, the classics. Yeah. And for me, the classes were good times. Yeah, and, yeah. You know, nice. uh, the Jeffersons, um, uh, All in the Family was like my all-time favorite. Uh, so I, yeah. I really love the dynamic between uh, uh, Carol O'Connor and uh, was it Shermley? Sherm? What's the guy that uh, played uh, George Hemsley? Hemsley, yeah, yeah, Sherman Hemsley. Hemsley. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but I think that was probably what was most influence, influential, influential for me was Dynasty. Uh, of course. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Only because because the Diane Carroll character, yeah, remember yeah, her? Uh-huh. Dominique uh, Devereaux. De- Devereaux, yeah. Right, and she, she was, was like a badass. Bad. She was bad. Like Alexis. <laughs> like, I was like... Bad. She's powerful, like a business person. Right. And... Like, I wanted to be her without being her, right, <laughs> obviously. No Bill Mackey. Um, but uh, was that the designer's Bill? Bill no, Bill, no. Bill Blass. I think it was Bill Blass. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah, I, yeah, I, yeah, I, yeah, yeah. That was Bill Blass. So, no, but, like, in terms of a kid, like, watching in the 80s television and looking at powerful African-American characters right. that affected in terms of how I thought about myself, and it was always people like in powerful roles and positions. Uh, you know, obviously the Cosbys mm-hmm. um, and seeing a doctor or a family right. uh, that was you know the head of his family, but in a powerful kind of position. Right. So I was really drawn to those types of of, of characters. But you know, we watched everything, mm-hmm. and I think that was important in terms of how I do my job today and the the kind of stories that I want to tell. So they're not just sort of one-dimensional uh, or specific to one group. It's just about really good storytelling. And hopefully, as a producer and as an African-American producer, it's my responsibility to make sure that there are uh, black characters that are strong mm-hmm. and powerful mm-hmm. and are advancing the narrative about you know who we are and how we see ourselves. Right. And so I think it's part of my job is to not necessarily be the black producer, but be the producer that are giving, you know, all people's opportunity, but particularly people of color who don't always get the opportunities to do the kind of roles that they're, you know, that mm-hmm. our counterparts sometimes do, mm-hmm. uh, or most of the time, most of the time, <laughs> do. Uh, but also from an executive, you know, uh, from behind the scenes as well. So, you know, it's it's we don't see ourselves as a black company. I mean, obviously yeah. we're black, right? But um, in terms of really. Um, going outside of our borders, I think that we have to look at stories uh, as a whole, and what, however or whatever they are, uh, we're behind the scenes, so there, there's already this connotation that there is a black element, mm-hmm. right? And that's fine, um, but we want to make sure that we are uh, being responsible, because I think that's really important in black Hollywood, right. that 
if you're making it, you bring other people along with you. Right, right. I'm, I'm interested, I'm curious to know how, how you guys felt during the whole, um, you know, Bill Cosby, then there was like, then R. Kelly, then it was Jussie Smollett. It was just like so much back to back to back. Um, were you, how were you affected just seeing seeing someone like Cosby on that I, I on mean, that and I'll let you speak to this as well, but mm-hmm. look, I think, you know, when people do awful bad things, if they're mm-hmm. proven to do awful bad things, they should be punished for that. Um, you know, I think the African-American community is very forgiving, and we tend to uh, really defend those people who uh, we sort of look to as heroes, right? Mm-hmm. And we want to... We want to think the best of everybody, and right. I certainly, I certainly do. So you, you really do shake your head and mm-hmm. sort of disappointment because you're like, no, not you, right? right? Right. Like you know, you have made history and you stood for something in our community, and to see that you know uh, diminished in whatever capacity that it has been is a sad thing. But at the same time, people should be held accountable for things that they've done if they are guilty. In fact, for sure, for sure. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, same thing. If if you are proven to have done something wrong, you know, you should definitely be held accountable. Um, what I think Cosby, you know, meant for the community and what he represented on TV um, is is definitely diminished by you know what he you know is, is charged for. Right. But you know, I was looking at you know Cosby in a different world last weekend on I think it's Hulu or, or somewhere that was that's streaming it. And I mean, those positive examples are still great to see. Right. Right. Um, you know, when I was looking at it, you know, I didn't, you know, I wasn't thinking about what Bill Cosby has, was recently charged for, even though he should be held accountable. Mm-hmm. But seeing the message on on television, I think it still, you know, holds a lot of weight. For sure. Yeah. For sure. Um, I think it's something that you know still needs to be shown. Yeah. You know, obviously, but. People are, you know, are against that. Um, but I want to get into like how you two met each other and grew <laughs> this company. Um, so let's start with Dexter. Mm-hmm. Um, what were the first steps in like saying, okay, I'm going to do this, mm-hmm. and this is how I'm going to do it? Hmm. I think I just wanted to uh, implement certain um, previous successful companies. Mm-hmm. I wanted to not implement as much as uh, what is the word when you want to be like replicate, replicate. replicate. thank you James is coming in with yeah. everything let's get yeah. <laughs> yeah. coming in with names words okay thank you no no there were there were companies like uh, that you probably don't know of uh, Polygram Filmed Entertainment mm-hmm. uh, which was uh, a Dutch company mm-hmm. uh, started by Philips Electronics which is a Dutch company so sort of like you know, okay. Sony did with Sony yeah. Music and mm-hmm. Sony Films so in the '90s, they they had a music, Polygram Music was very well known. Okay, uh, that's what I know. And uh, and the the CEO in mid '90s thought they should be in the film business, and they were really uh, giving Hollywood a run for its money. Mm. So here's a Dutch company, Polygram Film Entertainment, that were you know winning Oscars and having a lot of success at the box office with films like. Notting Hill and Four Acres in a uh, Funeral. Not mm. Four Acres. In a, that's I'm you know the spike. So yeah, that's right. <laughs> four funerals, four funerals and, and a wedding and a wedding. Yeah. Uh, the Bridget Jones Diary, uh, yeah. uh, Walking the Dead, uh, Shallow Grave, the, the Danny Boyle films, Transport, uh, 
oh, not Transporter. Um, oh, I can't think of the name of the film right now. But um, but they were having these great successes, and they were basically taking the Hollywood model and from the UK because that's mm-hmm. where they set up the shop. And they were creating the studio system within this organization. They were very successful at it. And even distributing films in the United States and for a foreign entity that really wasn't normal. Right. There's not a lot of foreign film companies that are distributing content in the United States. And so I just wanted to be Polygram mm. and, uh, and have that in my head for a very long time and thought in order for me to sort of uh, try to become a company like that without $100 million you know, to start, I need to go and learn about the international film business. And so that's how I ended up in Europe for 10 years, mm. just learning about you know, how films are put together. And, uh, and once I uh, did that and had a, a deal with VW to uh, promote uh, foreign language films as a distributor in the U.S., I then left Berlin because I was living in Berlin at the time and moved to New York and set up shop and mm. sort of have been doing it ever since. Wow. Okay. James? I think the original question, um, you asked how we met, and, and then I can kind of then throw it back to Dexter sure. to segue to kind of how we're going about scaling and growing the company. But, um, you know, Dexter is actually the, I guess, yeah, it's probably the person who introduced me to the business. So um, just a, a little backstory on what I was doing before this. I was a finance guy, so I started off in finance, had an, got an MBA, worked in you know Wall Street consulting, um, you know internal corporate development teams. Uh, recession hit, I lost the job. Mm-hmm. Um, you know that was late two thousands. I think that was oh eight. Mm-hmm. So lose the job with everyone else that was in finance. Right. Ended up at a well, was on on unemployment. And my unemployment officer told me, oh, yeah, there's a new hotel. The W Hotel is opening up in Atlanta. Um, why don't you go by and check out and see what they have going on as far as as, as far as uh, positions. Mm-hmm. And, you know, me, I'm a big shot MBA. I'm, I've been working in, in high finance all of these years and, you know, close to a six-figure salary at that time. And um, so I get to the interview and he's like, yeah, we have front desk, concierge, um, <laughs> room service. And these right. Are like, these and are, like are low-paid space. <laughs> you know, nothing, you know, nothing against right. those jobs, but it was definitely night and day from you know, what sure. I was doing. For sure. But the GM was a really um, cool guy from New Zealand. Um, he's like, man, you're you're great. You know, I would love to have you. I mean, you could, you know, on that concierge desk. And I was just like, man, what the hell? I'm not doing anything. Um, <laughs> but very quickly, you know, one of my favorite quotes um, from MLK, um, and I'm kind of paraphrasing it. Uh-huh. It's you know, no matter if, no matter what you're doing, if you're a, if you're a sweet streeper, yeah. you sweep that street better than, better than anyone has ever swept the street before, right? Mm-hmm. And so the same thing, you know, applies to you know whatever job, right? Um, so I'm at the concierge desk for three months. I was quickly promoted to the VIP manager of the entire hotel. Mm-hmm. And so at that wow. position. You know, just talking and meeting people, and I would talk to the executives about the front page of the Wall Street Journal, and then I would talk to guys who were coming in to party about where they need to be in Atlanta to have a good time. Mm-hmm. So, just uh, I guess the diversity of my background right. helped in that position. So, long story short, I end up getting written up in a Atlanta magazine. I think Dexter read that magazine. He was in town. 
um, with his company uh, for the, I think it was the 40th anniversary of the Alvin 50th, Ailey. The 50th anniversary. 50th of Alvin Ailey Dance Theater. Okay, okay. So he was, I think, throwing the... I was hosting the party. Hosting the after party. Mm-hmm. Um, his PR person, I got an invitation from his PR person. I show up at the party, you know, party's about to end. I finally meet Dexter. I said, oh, okay, cool. We started, um, you know, send a thank you email maybe the next day. Great party. Um, you know, love to sit down for lunch, talk about more about what you do. And then from there, you know, kind of the, the rest is history. Right. But, you know, we started off on a consulting basis, um, you know, running different financial models for how his films were being released with these street releasing. So mm-hmm. taking some of my, you know, expertise from the finance days, applying that to how films are platformed, um, looking at different comps nice. of the films that, you know, we were thinking about acquiring. Um, and what those look like from a, a financial perspective. He said, oh, you, you, you might be good at this. You ever <laughs> Have you ever thought about film? I'm like, yeah, of course. But, you know, like working it, as, a, as a producer. As a yeah. producer, okay. But in Atlanta, during, at that time, now Atlanta is known as, you know, the second Hollywood, right? Right, right. But back then, um, I think the tax credits or film incentives were just starting, and mm-hmm. it was just... Housewives, right? And reality, yeah, and reality TV, and reality TV at that point. So the exposure ten years ago is is night and day to what it is now. Um, but yeah, so I mean that's how it started. Uh, went out to Cannes, um, helped acquire some films, nice. um, and I came back to Atlanta, put in my two weeks' notice, and, and, <laughs> and, um, Peace. No. and, and, and haven't looked back since. Can nice. so, can will do that too. Yeah, can yeah. right. Can <laughs> film festival like that's it. It's, an, it's amazing. In. It's amazing. Have it's you been? Amazing. No, I haven't been, but I had a film to go to it. Oh, really? Yeah, it's short okay. film, which is an honor. Okay, yeah. <laughs> and I think that's how we we met Ryan, right? Yeah, Ryan, Ryan Coogler. Coogler. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah. Okay, when he, had, when he had his short film there oh, nice. in twenty twenty oh nine. Wow. And we met him at a at the uh, Amphar party? No, we met him before the Amphar party. We did? So Rhonda, I, I Rhonda met him and she said, you need to go check out this guy's short film. Okay. And we looked at his film and he came to lunch with us. We I thought that was... Yeah, I drink too <laughs> yeah. much rosé. Yeah, yeah. yeah, a lot Because I have like, a whole different yeah. like, <laughs> about. I only thought we met him at the party because, you know, there was like three black people. <laughs> right. And me, James... Oh, 50 Cent. But he yeah. didn't want to sit with us. Yeah, in Toronto. <laughs> it's like, no, I'm not sitting with you. 50 Cent with really? the yeah, yeah. Toronto Film Festival. He was yeah, we were, with, yeah. Uh, we were sitting at the... Uh, so Amphar is this you know, big yeah. you know, uh-huh. uh, uh, research, AIDS, HIV and AIDS HIV research. Is, yeah. and, uh, and so Amphar is like the Oscars of the festival, mm-hmm. right? It's, like, it's a big fundraiser. And uh, I think when it first began, I mean, Elizabeth Taylor was a chair and yeah. whatnot. So over the years, I would go to the Amphar event, which was like the, you know, the place to be. Mm-hmm. And I think that year, President Clinton was hosting. Yep. Wasn't he? Wow. Yeah. So, 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 so uh, James, myself, uh, Cameron Bailey, who was the head of the Toronto Film Festival, who's also a black man. Okay. And so 50 Cent was supposed to be at that table and I don't know if I should be telling this story, but he... But <laughs> You're anyway, already doing yeah. it, so let's go. <laughs> yeah, no, he came by, and he's like, this is a black table, and, like, left. <laughs> and we're like, what? It's not like we're, like, 
the you know the help. Oh, right. <laughs> like we were sitting with Eric yeah. Eisner, Michael Eisner's son. You yeah, know, yeah, like, yeah. you know what I mean. Oh, we're like man. in good companies. Like this is a black table. Like oh, okay. wow. <laughs> See you later. <laughs> I'm interested to know what are some of uh, who are some of the people that um, you would like to work with in the future, uh, producers, directors, <sighs> what have you. God, man. Um, that's what I never thought about. <laughs> really? Okay. Is that terrible? No, I mean, some people do. Some I, people don't. <laughs> yeah, I just, uh, producer, directors, uh, you know, there's so many people that Talent. you... Talent. Well, I mean, you kind of want to work with anybody who's good and, yeah. you know, and doing yeah. something. So it's very, you know, hard to say just who. Um, I'll, I'll tell you something. I was reading a script the other day. Uh-huh. And I was like, this is perfect for Gene Smart. I don't know if you know who really? Gene Smart yes, is yes. from Designing Women, uh-huh. but I have always wanted <laughs> really? to work with Gene Smart. <laughs> well, I do nice. not know why I want to work with Gene Smart. This is perfect for Gene. Gene Smart, if you're out there. <laughs> <laughs> right, if you're listening to if this. If you're listening to this, I want to work with you. But really, outside of that, I mean, you you know, look, there are terrific actors yeah. and so much talent out there. So it's it feels like it would be... Uh, not, not right of me to say you know, specifically one person although mm-hmm. I just said Gene Smart right um, what about you Dan? you know it's funny you asked we were just talking about it yesterday and I was on the plane and I just saw Green Book on the yeah. plane yeah. and Herschel awesome, thanks a lot James <laughs> I couldn't think of it and Mah- think of it yeah Mahershala, Mahershala Ali, Ali yes. I mean um, not sure. just that role but I've kind of been a fan of that brother for a while yeah and, for sure and I just just love him on camera and uh, yeah, just his energy, and like style, like all the way around. He just like once he's he's on screen, it's like you can't stop, right? Like watching him, and I think he's really authentic. So yeah. I mean, that's just someone recently. I was you know, when I was looking at, him, I was like, I would love to, yeah, yeah, you know, to work with him. That's that was that'd be. Terrible. I, I know someone who we wanted to work with it was Jesse Williams. I mean, yeah. I, I mean, someone yeah. who I actually was like, I really want to work with this person. Yeah, yeah. And so during his BET Humanitarian Award, he was being the he was the recipient, right? And I don't know if you saw that speech. I but did. That speech was Pretty incredible. Huge it was a huge <laughs> speech. And I remember sitting. I was visiting my mother, and I was we were all watching together. And I remember thinking, God, I would one day want to work with him because what he's saying uh, just resonated and spoke to me. And I thought, man, if the black community could really hear what he's saying mm-hmm. and never forget it it would it would do something for the community right uh because that kind of empowerment yeah. uh self-awareness um you know caution in terms of you know how we spend our money where we spend our yeah, money yeah. uh he was just speaking you know to truth the the truth to what was going on in society mm-hmm. and um and i was just like i have not heard any person of you know any kind of notoriety uh, say something that I thought was so bold, mm-hmm. and so for me, I could, I would say that it's not just about the talent; it's also about the activism yeah. and what you know black folks are bringing to the table in terms of awareness. Mm-hmm. And when you have a platform like Jesse Williams and others, and you are making an effort to ch- make change, I think that is something to really uh, look up to and aspire to. Uh, work with for sure, mm-hmm. and so tell us. It's a good segue to Team Joy. Yes, um, yeah. Tell us about that project. So, a um, few years ago, I developed this project and ended up um, sort of passing it on to the director writer who had uh, the script and that I was helping to develop because mm-hmm. uh, I had so so much on my on my plate. 
And um, and so last year he asked me if I would get back involved with the project, and and I said, yes, I will if the character that is written as the lead uh, be changed to a black character or mm-hmm. a black person, and because uh, I knew I had Jesse on the brain for right. that, for that project, and when he agreed to do that, I said, okay, great, let's let's just do that. So the story is about a father-daughter, young 13, 14-year-old girl who are basically like um, what, a con artists or mm-hmm. a confidence, what is it called, confidence man? Is that the, the phrase? Con like, man? Yeah. Well, yeah, but it's like, you know, if you do a confidence game, it's like you're trying to oh. swindle somebody. Okay. So they have this thing, and uh, so there was a, a film called, uh, I think, Under the Paper Moon, which was a Ryan... Uh, O'Neill film okay. a long time ago, so it was sort of similar to that. Uh, but basically, they're you know they're going around to survive doing con uh, artist games or whatever. I don't know. <laughs> scamming, scamming, scamming people, people. scamming yeah. people. Yeah, and so I just it's it's great in that you don't see, you know, it's a it's a film that with a black character that's not black. If that makes any sense, mm-hmm. that we're not. It's it's nothing other than you know this this these two people who are trying to get through life who had you know sort of tragic background backstory. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, so that's being directed by uh, who was it? Joe Joe, Joe. Mm-hmm. Uh So it's an American living in Brazil. We have another project with him, uh, another Brazilian project with him. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's it's a you know smallish film. I think it's uh, the budget's like you know under three million dollars and. Just under three million, no big deal. Well, <laughs> I mean, by Hollywood standards, no, yeah, that's, yeah, that's not yeah a big true. Deal. And so we're 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 doing that with uh, with him at the hopefully this fall when all the financing is finally awesome. put together, and we're going to shoot that in Atlanta. Nice. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's awesome. What are some of the uh, the challenges, um, James, that you've run to um, in production? I know there are mm-hmm. quite a bit. Just <laughs> yes, touch on, like just touch on a couple. Um, just because we do have um, viewers who are uh, aspiring producers, mm-hmm. um, directors, things like that. So a little insight of things to look out for. <laughs> um, I mean, I guess you can ask that question, like what, what part of the production process. But, you know, if we're talking about physical production, mm-hmm. you know, if we have some you know, indie filmmakers listening, um, you know, you know, when I have to go back to my, you know, business roots and finance background, mm. you know, and then that's kind of how I was introduced to the business and kind of what I was kind of known for before I kind of segued into more, you know, producing and, and developing. But I would say, you know, you have to be really stringent with your budget and set up, you know, financial controls. That's whether you're spending uh $1,000 student film mm-hmm. you know I like to say if you can't manage a thousand you're not going to manage ten you're not going to manage a hundred right. you won't manage a million but if you can manage ten thousand you can manage ten million it's mm-hmm. the same um, but you know it's production gets a little bit bigger but it's all about you know um, great department heads open communication um, and really spending the time on the front end mm-hmm. um, you're never going to get you know you're never going to um, you know, solve all the problems because in production, as everyone knows, as listening, something something comes up every day. Um, yeah. But with I would say with great communication, um, um, great teamwork, it's like a lot of that stuff. You know, you can solve those problems. Right. I mean, it's a every production that I've been on, it's a it's a problem solving exercise. Yeah, whether it's going to be you know big or small, but you know you're going to have a problem that you're going to have to solve. 
And because filmmaking is such a collaborative process, yeah. um, it's, it's really important to you know work with with good people and, and good honest people. So I would say whether you know you're a filmmaker that's just starting, or you've been doing it for you know 20 years, I think you know looking out you know those three you know tiers are, are very important. Okay, for sure. Um, Dexter, we're looking for talent because obviously producers have the last say, mm. right? Have you ever had to like say, no, I'm not feeling the person? Like, do you have casting directors that work for you, or do you cast your own films? So I have casting directors that work for me, okay. that work with me, um, but I tend to do my own <laughs> casting. Okay. So I'm like, uh, can you just call the agent for this guy or uh-huh. that girl? You know, um, I I feel like casting is kind of a art form, mm. and um, and you would think that everyone it's self-explanatory, or that you know you know that you have this particular character and they're X Y Z, but then you have someone. Who just totally doesn't fit that from a from an actor's point of view? And they don't look like the part, or they don't, and their you know everyday life behave that way, mm-hmm. or you've never seen them in a part like that. So I think casting is obviously one of the most important aspects of getting the film together and getting it right. Yeah. And so it's just an instinct that you have. And so I tend to not um, just go off of what casting directors uh, suggest. Right. Obviously, I take that into account. But it really is a gut feeling that I have about a character. And and because I watch a lot of movies, because I watch a lot of television to see who's out there. And, you know, it's if you know, I don't understand filmmakers who don't watch right. films or yeah. watch television. <laughs> you know what I mean? I, I, it's, it's astonishing. Sometimes. Right. <laughs> uh, but the more that you do, you, you, the broader um, uh Approach that you a broad approach to film and television in terms of as a viewer is very important in terms of how I do my job mm. because I'm actually expo- exposed to a lot more talent than I would normally be and so right. I'm looking at talent from all over the world and thinking okay you know they will fit in this film and I don't care if they're from Germany or from France or from Brazil if it makes sense mm. uh, because I also think that outside of just plucking the the A-listers who can get you financing or distribution is really important as producers that we're in the star creating business so that that. we can nurture and foster that talent so that when they come back and work with us again we're building we're helping them build a name for themselves right right? right. and in today's uh, atmosphere you really need those names to sell internationally especially for sure for sure and what are what's like one thing that you look for in talent when you do casting yeah I think is it more of just like uh, I can see it when I see it yeah it's that whole thing about having it Mm -hmm. which you can't really you know put your finger on or you know it when you see it yeah and you and you you hear it Mm -hmm. it's it's like this you know like a ton of bricks comes over and you're like yeah that (laughs) that that person has something gotcha and um and you can't define it um by any sort of definition that you know someone has characterized it a person that has it has this yeah right right right. we don't know what that is Mm -hmm. it's just something when they when, when they walk in the door you're like whoa, yeah. right? And uh, and you see that on the screen. I've done that. I mean, I've I've done that where I'm like I'm watching something. I'm like, oh my god, I love that person. Let's call their agent to see what they're doing and blah blah blah. And so it's for me, it's as simple as that. Okay, 
And um, I know we touched on it, uh, well, earlier before the show, but I want to talk about uh, Black Hollywood uh, because it's this conception that, you know, or perception that, you know, Black Hollywood back then, you know, when Denzel and all of mm-hmm. running it. And then, so it's like this division of Hollywood and Black Hollywood, which sometimes I don't really get it, but mm-hmm. <laughs> also I, I, I want to get your input. So I'll start with you, James, um, about how Hollywood has changed quote-unquote black Hollywood and your your approach to that? I mean, I think for so long, a lot of our stories were just not told Mm -hmm. and we're just so underrepresented for so long. You know, if you just go back all the way to the beginning, there were no roles. You know, first we were, you know, know, the help and we were... a lot, a lot of um, b- buffoonery and like just you know the, the, the only roles that you know we lots of crackheads lots of crackheads yeah, so. you know, <laughs> yeah, yeah, then went into crackheads then went into the gangster movies yep. and, um, you know once you know you know once I think Hollywood saw something that they thought worked for us that's all you right. know, that was produced or that came out and I think recently you know we're starting to see you know it's definitely opening up um, you know from the TV and the film which is a good thing, you know. I, I look at you know what, you know Ava, you know what mm-hmm. Lena Waithe has, has been able to do. Um, of course, you know Charles King at Macro, you know Tyler Perry. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know he's created his own world. Um, you know, and, and even you know Will Packer. I mean, you yes. have you know you have a lot of big names now that are are definitely getting um, more of us in front of the camera. Right. Um, behind the camera, I think is. It's still um, mm-hmm. that's 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 a, that's a that's another issue. Bit of a right. deficit, yeah. I would say. Yeah. But yeah. you know, that's you know definitely something that you know both Dexter and I are adamant on on changing and, and developing. Mm. You know, producers and and other behind the camera as well. But you know, I think for so long we weren't there. You know, now you know we're getting you know a few big names that are pushing us out there. Um, you know, now Dexter and I were having this conversation yesterday. Um, it's great. Uh, what does it really mean if you look at it a little bit deeper um, on the independent side for people who are really, um, you know, controlling their own destiny and their own fate? Mm-hmm. Um, I think that number is even smaller right. of, of black filmmakers and, and um, I guess, in black influencers that are, are pushing it, pushing the envelope. Um, but when you think about, you know, independent producers or independents that are green lighting and, and financing. You know, that's that's the real story. I yeah. think that that that's not being told as much, and there's not as many of us doing that. Right, for sure. I know you had a whole tweet about it. Give yeah, us, give us. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it was uh, it was a, a kind of an angry tweet. Yeah, you know, and I think it was uh, geared towards uh, some cat who was a professor at. Uh, UCLA or something okay. and I was just like and he was talking about black Hollywood and I was like well what is black Hollywood is that black people living in Hollywood yeah. uh, because you know Hollywood for me is this giant right yeah. it's this giant massive machine and it ain't controlled by people who look like us yeah. right and so with all the successes of the people who James just mentioned and I, you know obviously there's some Exceptions there. I think Tyler Perry is one of them in terms of mm-hmm. producing his own content yeah. and controlling that, but uh, but not controlling the distribution. So for me, when I think we deserve the title of Black Hollywood, when we 
own stuff, mm. right? It's not a better word to use for that, but I don't know how, you know, was it X-rated show? No, <laughs> no I didn't get it. R-rated, not X-rated. See what my mind is. Right? <laughs> um, no, but it's, we, you know, we don't own shit. Right. And no matter how successful uh, we become within the industry, we're still uh, bound by the, fa- by the fact that we can't make decisions for the most part. Yeah. Independent, mm-hmm. you know, and and what we are set out to do is to you know further create this company where not only are we controlling the content, we also can control the distribution, and we can find and develop financing outside of the studio system, right? Mm-hmm. Because I think that's where we're where the real power lies, and uh, and so we're not really just depending on Hollywood. Or the U.S. We work outside of the U.S. So because I, we understand that there is, you know, uh, you know financing outside of America right. that a lot of African Americans have no, you know, concept of. Right. And so a lot of the pictures that we have in development that were, you know, future productions are done outside of the U.S. for the purpose of being able to finance them mm-hmm. a lot easier uh, than we would in in North America. Um, and then the the upside of that is that we really are in control of the narrative, and and really don't have to you know ask for permission right. to tell our stories or whatever stories we want to tell. Mm-hmm. And in the event that you know you know a, a distributor in the U.S. doesn't want to buy it, guess what? We have the apparatus that we can distribute it ourselves and know how to also sell it and distribute it worldwide mm-hmm. and that is what's lacking within our community is the understanding of how the business really works right. you know uh, I remember the first time I went to Cannes was 20 years ago and you can count on one hand how many African Americans you would see at the festival but also at the uh, the Marche which is the market Yeah, and so I, I had a very very early um, introduction to the business of film and television and so we're taking that and really basically creating a studio model, mm-hmm. but as an inter- as an independent, so that we're never really dependent. And we get to say whatever the F we want to say, <laughs> right? And and no one's going to, you know, put any kind of um, a censor or censorship or whatnot on telling the stories they want we want to right. tell. So right. I think that's really key. So my my frustration within Black Hollywood is that there's not enough consensus where uh, the people who are who have the real power from a financial resources point of view to really create entities in which distribution is, is sorted out, mm-hmm. financing is sorting out. I mean, Charles King is doing a lot of that in terms of being able to finance in-house and not depend on. I mean, it's a good model, but I need, I would like for it to go a bit further right. and, and where we're, we're not only... Uh, looking at domestic the United States but we're looking at the world in terms of not only creating the content but the content should be distributed around the world because contrary to what a lot of Hollywood says Mm. about African American content it does in fact travel it can Mm -hmm. travel it's just that when there are not buyers who are you know sensitive to the fact that the world really does appreciate uh, black content Mm-hmm. And that, given the opportunity, you know, like a Moonlight or Black right, Panther right. or you know uh, some of the us. notable yeah films like Us as well, when you when you produce them and you uh, you get the, the the establishment behind it, 
see what happens. Those numbers go up. Mm-hmm. So it's you can't say to me black doesn't travel because when you do it, it does very, very well, right. even more successful than North America. Right. So if we can't rely on others to create that for us because it's not happening, right? Yeah. Uh, we have to do it ourselves. And it's not enough to ha- you know, hashtag Oscars so white, you know, because we're still limited in mm-hmm. terms of, you know, I call it crumbs, and maybe that's going to hurt me for saying that, but, you know, I don't believe in having crumbs. I want the cake. There you go. Give me the whole cake. <laughs> the, <laughs> the whole cake. The whole cake. Um, just, just briefly touch on uh, what you're doing in South Africa because that whole building is amazing. Did you get to see it? No, I didn't. Oh, my gosh. I sent you a video. Yeah, please send me a video. No, you have it. Oh, but did you send me? I think I sent it to okay, you. Okay, I have to definitely take it's, a look. Yeah, it's I'm going to post it. So it's a, it's it's just the, the rendering of the studios, that studio yeah. we're building. So we're building the South Coast Film Studios in the southern coast of South Africa, mm-hmm. uh, about an hour outside of Durban. Mm-hmm. It's a $100 million project. So it's, it's, it's massive. So it's a, it, we basically want to be the Warner Brothers of Africa, yeah. right? So in South Africa, there's, uh, it's the most sophisticated right. film and television industry in, of all of the nations in Africa. Wow. Um, and it's the only country that offers subsidies. So where films are financed through the government. Mm-hmm. And this is really typical in Europe and in other places in South America where films are not just financed through equity or investment, uh, private equity or, or studio money. Right. So our model is, is that we, we, um, we participate in co-productions where we have partners in other countries that can access subsidies from their particular country to put, put together a movie. Mm. So I'll give you an example. Uh, we're making the Blue Mauritius, mm-hmm. the Anthony Mackie film in South Africa, you know, on a almost $15 million budget. Okay. But the, the, the equity that we have in there is probably about, probably about a million and a half. The rest is subsidized because we're doing this as a German, French, uh, South African co-production. And most wow. black folks don't know that that yeah. is possible. That's that great. you can make money... Um, I'm sorry, make films from government subsidies. Mm. So you know how farmers get subsidized yeah. in the U.S.? Yeah. Filmmakers get subsidies wow. in the rest of the world and in South Africa. Uh, and so it's a very attractive place to do business. So a lot of Hollywood productions, film and television, Europe, Europe shoots a lot of films there. Wow. And so it, there's only two film studios, one in Johannesburg and one in Cape Town. And that's still enough sound stages to... Uh, to accommodate the amount of film productions and television productions that are being shot there. So we had this idea three years ago to <laughs> build a movie studio. Wow. And uh, we now have uh, 54 acres of land uh, overlooking the Indian Ocean and this sort of state-of-the-art film and television studios, which is magnificent, to be that's, honest with you. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. Wow. We're going to stay tuned for that, for sure. Well, we're running out of time, but first, I, I just want to ask you real quick, um, what was your what's your favorite film that came out this year so far, James? Hmm. Dex, you can March. think about it. I mean, I got one. <laughs> Dex is ready. Let's go to Dex. So it was not this year. Okay. It, uh, I mean, it was nominated for an, an Academy Award, right? Uh-huh. So it's uh, the um, Queen film. Um, um, oh, oh, Bohemian Rhapsody. Bohemian Rhapsody. Bohemian Rhapsody. That was I a cried. great one. That was a great one. Watching that movie. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, I mean, this year, I'll, I'll go with Us. Us? Okay. Yeah. All right. 
2019. 20, yeah, yeah, 2019. Yeah. I mean, you All cheated, right. but it's okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, no I worries. I don't even know if I've seen any movies in 2019. <laughs> <All right. laughs> been busy. No, I've watched movies. They're always on the plane. I'm always watching yeah, that's true. movies that's, on airplanes. That's so. very true. Well, thank you so much, guys, for joining me. Uh, it's been awesome having you inside the studio. Uh, thank you for watching if you're tuning in. Thank you to uh, AfterBuzz TV and Black Hollywood Live for allowing us to be here in the studio doing our thing every Thursday. Go ahead and tell everyone where they can find you on social media or what have you. Um, at James Few, all lowercase. At James oh. Few. And so it's at D Street MG. That's my Twitter. That's it. D Street MG. All right. Yeah. Sounds good. <laughs> thank you again, gentlemen. Thank and you, Danny. Uh, thank you for tuning in. You can find me everywhere at I am Danny Royce. We'll see you next week. Same place, same time inside the Black Actor Studio. Bye, guys. On behalf of our BHL staff, we would like to thank you for tuning in to Black Hollywood Live, the world's first digital broadcast network devoted entirely to urban entertainment and pop culture. Check out our Black Hollywood Live YouTube page for even more great programming and amazing content. And be sure to subscribe and like our channel when you do. I'm your BHL host, Nakia Monet, and you can find me on all social media at Kiki Boom Boom or at Black Hollywood Live. Black Hollywood Live, Hollywood redefined.